And I'm really thankful to be here today when we think about well, what would happen if we couldn't come to church because of all this, and, and that day might come. It just makes me more thankful to be with you this morning and have the opportunity for worship, and even though we can't shake hands, the opportunity to be together. And really, that's a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning. We've been thinking about the, the marks of the early church, what it meant to be the church in the first century in this series that I've called Model Church, and we're bringing that to a close today. And the first week, we talked about teaching and just how important it was for these early Christians to hear the testimony, the teaching of the apostles because they had been with Jesus. They heard the stories that Jesus told. They saw the miracles. And so they could then speak to what Jesus had said to those who had not heard. So we talked about that. Last week, we talked about the courage that these early Christians showed, how they were characterized by courage in the face of danger, that they were maybe afraid, but uh, yet still were willing to speak the name of Jesus in very public ways because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them. And then today I want us to come to the third of these marks of the church, and that is community. And I want us to look at a passage of Scripture. We actually looked at it a few weeks ago, but maybe take a little different slant on it this week and think about community that we find in church. Now, if you've been in church for a while, maybe some of you are a little bit like me in that there have been times in my life in the church when I experienced genuine Christian community. Okay? It's like there was a group of people that I really identified with. We became close. We met often. These became really my best friends in life. And they were the people that I wanted to share stuff with when things were going great and I had something I was excited about. Those were the people I wanted to tell. When I was struggling with something and needed people to pray for me, those were the people that I wanted to tell. I enjoyed being with them. It was great community. And man, when that happens, it is awesome. And if you've experienced that, you know that. And I've been in some settings in which it just never happened. Now, for whatever reason, maybe it was as much me as anybody else. Maybe we just were a little bit different. Maybe the, the relationship just never came together. For whatever reason, I just didn't have a lot of community in that setting. And yeah, we came to church and we were friendly and it wasn't like there was anything really wrong. It just never bonded, never developed those friendships, those, that sense of community that we're in this together. And, and when you don't have that, it can really feel like something is missing in your life and in the church. And then I've been in those settings where community was coming together and something happened and that community was broken. And from that point forward, it was never the same. Maybe it was something that someone did or said. Maybe it was just the, the circumstances that caused a rift between people, but for whatever reason, the community was broken, and that too can be totally miserable. You may have been through some of that over the years, but what we want, what we desire, and I think part of what we were created for is real community. And I believe the church offers the best opportunity for us to experience that. You know, community in church can be the very best thing, and at times it can be the very worst thing because we are all human beings and we sin. And because of that, sometimes community is awesome and encouraging, and sometimes it can even hurt. But I want us to come to a lesson that I think Scripture teaches us today that, 
that we find in the book of Acts, and we've been thinking about the book of Acts, and the lesson is pretty simple. It's this. Community is the result of sharing what matters. Community is the result of sharing what matters. If we want real community in the church, we have to share the stuff that's important to us. Now, what we would like is for community to be easy. We would like for community to come with no real cost, like it just happens, like I don't have to do that much for it to just occur. Sometimes it does happen that way. Most of the time, it does not. Because community can be costly. It can cost us things like forgiveness. We're going to talk about some other things it can cost us a little bit later. But it's not always cheap. It comes as the result of sharing what matters in our lives. And we see that at work in the early church. We've been focusing in on the first few chapters of the book of Acts in this series, and, and I enjoy those chapters, some of my favorites. And, and as we've done that, we've, saw these, we've seen these marks of the early church. And so, today I want us to go back all the way to the beginning, the very first day of the church, and then see what we, we mark as, a, as the, the marks of the early church in that section. So what we see there is the day of Pentecost, just weeks after Jesus is crucified, we see probably some of the same people gathered together. Peter stands up and he begins to speak. And these people who come from all over the Roman Empire, they hear Peter speaking, the other apostles speaking, but they hear it in their own language. Even though these are men who have not been to college and learned foreign languages, they still hear. And so, they are convicted because the message of Peter is, you have killed God's Messiah. God sent Jesus to save us and to save humanity, and you killed him. The one that the prophets had, had foretold for hundreds of year, years, you killed him. And scripture says they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized every one of you. And many of them did. 3,000. Okay, then what? This is what Luke tells us in Acts 2. 42. They, these 3,000 and the apostles, they devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, those four things. First of all, the apostles' teaching. That's what we talked about two weeks ago, right? Teaching was a mark of the early church. The apostles had to tell these 3,000 people who had just come to faith. Remember, just a few weeks ago, they're ready to kill Jesus. And now they've changed their whole focus, they've changed their whole orientation, and suddenly they want to be followers of Jesus. They need to know more. So they listen to the apostles. So we got the, the apostles teaching, and then we have fellowship. When we talked about this passage a few weeks ago, I noted that this is a word that could be translated community. It's koinonia. It's based in a root word that means having things in common. And so these early Christians knew that it was important for them to hold something in common. Now, what would that be? Well, it might be their faith, right? They held that in common. But we find out that they took it a step further. We'll get to that in the next verse. That they thought fellowship, community, was so important that they need to demonstrate that community. All right? The apostles' teaching, fellowship, third, the breaking of bread. Now that phrase appears a couple times in the short section, Acts 2, 42 through 47. We'll see it show up in a minute. 
And when you look at what the scholars have to say about this, people who study the Greek language and the way it works together is, it's used in two different ways here. One time it means, okay, they got together to have supper. Well, that's part of fellowship, right? And it also means, in the other, in the other uh, use of it, is they got together for this. For the breaking of bread and drinking the cup. For communion. It was so important to them. Why? Because Jesus had commanded it. Why? Because it pointed to what Jesus had done, the giving of his body and his blood. They celebrated Jesus in the breaking of bread. They thought that was so important, it became part of the life of their community. And then to prayer. Just like the breaking of bread, they recognized that part of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ was to talk to God. Now, this was nothing new. They had examples of this all the way through what was their Bible, the Old Testament. They could see the great leaders of faith talking to God. We can read the Psalms and see that the Psalms are filled with prayers. So they understood that this was a continuation of something that had already been in place. But what I note is, when we look at those four things, teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and prayer, that's what formed their community. It brought them together for learning, for sharing, for worship, and for talking to God. And those are four things that can bind us together as followers of Jesus Christ that can help form community. And in fact, we're sharing in lots of that even this morning, aren't we? It's part of what it means for us to be the church. But it didn't end there. We pick up in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread, there's that phrase again, in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That sounds more like a meal. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It strikes me that their community extended beyond those four things, teaching and breaking bread and fellowship and prayer, to making sure everybody had what they needed. They shared their possessions. They got rid of stuff to make sure that people who had food among them got food. That was part of the basis for their community. It goes back to community comes from sharing what really matters. We look just a little bit later, a couple chapters over, we read something really similar. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. So their community was based in part on what they believed, what they understood about Jesus Christ. But then they said, then Luke tells us this, no one claimed that any of the possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there, was no, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land for houses sold them brought the money to the, of the sales to put at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, two times, right at the beginning of the church, we see these Christians 
taking what they had, even real estate, and selling it and bringing the money together to provide for people in their number who were in need. We say, man, they were a bunch of communists, weren't they? Well, what I also find is that as we go through the book of Acts, we, we really don't see this happen again. And we read through Paul's letters and the other letters of the New Testament, we really don't see that happen. We do see Paul asking for them to provide, as he writes to these Christians all over the Roman Empire, hey, I'm taking up an offering and we're sending it to the Christians back in Jerusalem who are experiencing a famine. So they provided in that way. But as they came together in different cities throughout the Roman Empire, this doesn't necessarily seem to be the practice that every Christian had to do this. What it strikes me is a more general lesson, and it's this. They shared what mattered the most. You got people among their number who didn't have food. There is no safety net among them, right? There's no governmental agency who's going to provide any kind of food for people. There's no social security. So the older people, I mean, they are dependent. If you live your whole life sort of hand to mouth, there's not any extra, and then you're not able to work, who's going to provide for you? Maybe family, but if you don't have family, it's going to be the church. That was the life that they lived. If you were disabled, you don't get a check. You're just out of luck. And the church said, we can't let that stand. So they shared what mattered. They shared what was important to them. And it comes back to that lesson that I want us to learn today, that community is the result of sharing what matters. And the faith that these people shared led them to share the rest of life, the rest of what mattered in their lives. So what's the lesson as we think about that? Should we all, you know, call up a real estate agent tomorrow, sell our houses, bring the money into the church, and well, where are we going to live? You know, I mean, there, there's all kinds of problems with that, right? I don't think the instruction is that Christians have always had to live this way. The instruction is... We share what matters. We share when people are in need. And if we're going to have real community in the church, we've got to share what matters to us. And sometimes that might mean that we provide for a physical need for people in the church. We know that there's a family hurting, and so we provide. And, and we've done that. You've done that individually without anybody even knowing about it. There are many people in our church who are very generous in such ways, and, and only a small group of people may know they've done anything. They may do it anonymously through someone else. That happens in our church. But it's more than that, right? In a culture which is very different from the ancient world, while our possessions are important to us, our time is also important to us, isn't it? I mean, time matters. It is limited, and we are all pretty careful with doling out time. We've only got so much. And if we're going to have real community in the church, we have to share our time. We have to share our vulnerability. We have to be our true selves with people in the church if we're going to have real community. And that can be sort of challenging. Because some of us don't really want to open up and share what's on our hearts. Share what scares us. Share what really gives us joy. 
And you know, part of what this means is if we're going to share what matters the most, sharing sometimes means giving, but sharing sometimes means receiving. And some of us are, are much more willing to share something we have, whether it might be money or time or vulnerability, than we are to receive. It makes us uncomfortable to receive help from others. But if we're going to have real community, it involves both. You know, it's odd. This, this, we planned to do this series of messages weeks and even months ago, set out this calendar. It strikes me how odd it is that this message fell on this day. And how perfect it is for us to think about a time that seems a little uncertain. And how it just might be that over the next few weeks, we'll be dependent on Christian community in ways that we didn't expect. I have no idea exactly what the future holds. We may be able to meet every Sunday just on our regular schedule like always, and that'll be awesome. And we might not. And you know what? We might have to have community in smaller groups. We might have to have community over the phone and by email and text message and stay in touch. And you know what? We would still be the church, wouldn't we? We would still be the church. Because we're God's people. And we can still share community. Now, part of my community is what happens on Sunday morning. And as I said when we began, it made me even more thankful to have the opportunity to be with you this morning as your pastor and share in worship. That's a blessing to me. Because we've all had the thought, what if we don't? Because Christian community comes when we share what matters most. And on a day like today, I don't know of anything that matters a whole lot more than us having the opportunity to worship God together. And I'm glad we've had it. But we're going to trust God that He's going to walk through all of this with us, and we're going to be an even stronger community of believers when it's all over than we are today. Because that's the way God can work. And it just might be that there'll be more people who live around us who understand what Christian community is because of the way we handle it. Because we've shared what matters most. Let's pray together. God, thanks for letting us be together today. Thanks for this community of faith. Thanks for allowing us to connect with one another and lift each other up in prayer and give each other our time and sometimes make other provisions. And God, we pray that you will only make that stronger, especially in uncertain times. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.